Hi, and welcome to another Kirk E. Free Sermons podcast. I'm sitting here with Pastor Josh today. Hey, Josh. Morning, Sean. How are you today? It's a nice, calm spring morning. It is. I'm good. Kind of wet? Mm-hmm. I don't mind. So who is singing for us at the beginning there? Did you recognize the voice? Of course I did. <laughs> yeah, that was Eliora. We yeah. thought um, we'll snap a recording of, of her. And, okay. And lately she's been just very interested in singing Jesus Loves Me. And she'll ask me, can I sing it when I, when I go to bed? And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. So I close the door and she starts singing. <laughs> That's great. So yeah, but that oh. was cute. And... I like how she asked permission to sing Jesus Loves Me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I also like how she leaves certain words out. Not purposely, but I think she just naturally like, she's like, Jesus, me. Oh, but she stays in beat. She does, yeah. She keeps in beat. And she can carry a tune, so I know my wife will encourage that as she gets older. Yeah, for sure. My kids fall asleep singing Alice Cooper's School's Out for Summer to themselves. (laughs) You know, school's (laughs) out for... Anyway. So, the cool thing is, of course, you recorded that on your phone. Yeah. And that one's public domain. Like, anybody can use Jesus Loves Me. It's a super old song. I'm going to think most kids' songs probably are. Probably, because they're... Either A, that old, or B, that recognizable that nobody can lay claim to them, most likely. Right. Well, hey, if people want to send us audio of their kids or their grandkids singing, we'd be happy to take it. Yeah. That'd be super fun. Mm -hmm. The kids singing is always a little lightning bolt of energy. That is. It's just kind of, it just automatically, how do you not smile when you hear that, right? Right. Right. It's fun. Sean, do you have a lot of plans for the summer? Man, I was on top of it this year. Our kids are so excited to camp. They just, right? Oh, they're just looking forward to camping. And we had gotten ourselves a camper over the winter, and we booked a whole bunch of state park and just general camping. Yeah. So I was on the ball in February. I did that. And now uh, state parks are closed through May 31. So our first one, mm. which was going to be up in Alexandria, just got canceled. Okay. Like the okay. state canceled it. Oh. Holding on to June. I hope June still goes through. Yeah, well, this is a good a good word from I've heard from the executive director of Camp Shamina. Mm-hmm. I spoke with him this week, so we're going to hear from him in a minute mm-hmm. about what's going on with Camp Shamina. Sure. So I thought, you know, our church is, has always been vested in that camp, yeah. and uh, we support it strongly. And so it, it'd be good for us to hear what's going on with them with yeah. all this, because, you know, the ripple effects go out in just about every direction. Right. So just in hearing what their situation is like, what their outlook is like for this summer, mm-hmm. um, I think it'd be really good for us to hear... Uh, what's happening, how we can pray for them, partner with them. Did you grow up with summer camp? Not summer camp, but camp during the summer. Like summer camp in my mind, I've never done this, but yeah. I've heard that people will be gone the entire summer, right? Mm. When I was in elementary, I did uh, Camp Shamanah. Okay. And it didn't go so good because oh. I was a homesick little puppy oh. and couldn't be away from mama. Yeah, yeah. So that wasn't great. Sure. But then when I got older, we were doing Camp of the Master. Okay. Which this church has been involved with. There's, I mean, mm-hmm. there's a lot of ties there, but we did Camp of the Master, which would be like a four-day Thursday through Sunday thing we always used to do. Yeah. Oh, I loved that. Okay. That was so fun. Basically, our entire youth mm. group, I think maybe seventh grade through 12th grade would go. Okay. That was just fantastic. It was an awesome four days, lake games, yeah. ping pong tournaments, capture the flag in the woods with poison ivy mm. you know and wow. then a lot of a lot of uh, study time bible reading messages yeah it's different yeah uh, and you get to spend that extra time with the people that you 
yep. go to church with, and yep. you get to know them a little more. Yep. Now, there's always downsides, of course. Like sure. I remember, we'd always have some of the people from church come with, right? They'd be chaperones or counselors mm-hmm. or whatever. And uh, one of the guys, Dick, he snores so loud. He mm-hmm. still goes to our church. He snored so loud in that entire four-day span. If I, I don't know if I slept an hour between him and a loud ceiling fan, because oh, every man. cabin has got a loud ceiling fan that just yeah. like... Never been oiled. Never. Right. <laughs> this <laughs> is part the, of the experience. Oh, for sure. <laughs> this is the first fan ever made, right? Yeah, right. And it's between Dick snoring and that fan. I don't think <laughs> I slept the entire time. Anyway, who sleeps at camp? Yeah, that's right. Oh man, that's right. But yeah, well, um, I don't know. Is camping a Minnesota thing? Well, you're talking to somebody who was born and raised Minnesotan. So True. I mean, is it your... it's a thing to me because yeah. I'm from here, right? Well, having experienced the winters, I could see the drive to just want to be outside <laughs> in the summer. Yep. Uh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> and with all the lakes here, I think there's just a lot oh, of camp yeah. environments. That's probably true. Yeah. I mean, we had them in Ohio. And our church supported some camps. Yeah, we had like along Lake Erie. There was a couple camps. Oh, cool. Those were neat. Our church was pretty involved in those. I never attended much myself, mm-hmm. but my sister did, and she loved it. Yeah. It great experience there. Yeah. Being off with your peer group mm-hmm. in a different environment... I feel like it does open you up to, this is uh, not my parents' religion. This is my own faith. Yeah. You know what I mean? It yeah. just You get a little more ownership going there and experiencing some of that yourself and being able to wrestle with thoughts. and Right. So I talked to her just about some of those things, just to hear what Shamanah is about and what they encourage for all who sure. come to the camp. So we'll go ahead and roll that for you now. Well, Herb, I really appreciate you being willing to do this for us. Oh, what a um, great opportunity. I appreciate it. Well, I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about yourself and how you, you were led into the, the camp ministry. For starters, I, I grew up in a family of five boys, so mm. it kind of looked like camp all the time. <laughs> you know, uh, right. No sisters, but uh, okay. just all guys. And then oh, wow. uh, spent my, my high school years working, high school and through college, working at a, at a summer camp. Mm. So it's kind of in the blood. I used to work for a group that, uh, well, in fact, Kirk Coven had this group. It was called Christian Service Brigade. Hmm. It was like a Christian version of Boy Scouts, and that was okay. that hmm. was years and years and years and years ago. Like I said, it was a Christian version of Boy Scouts uh, that involved a lot of camping and stuff like that. So yeah. when I left there 40 years ago or something like that, no, 34 years ago okay. is when I came to Chaminade. Yeah, I came here as the program director, and camp was a lot smaller back in those days, and I reluctantly became the executive director 20 years ago. I love doing program. I, you know, mm. I, I, I got to I gotta really buckle down to do some of the other things that come with the sure. executive stuff. What is, the, in your experience, then, the role of camp ministry in the lives of families or young people mm-hmm. in our churches? Or what, in particular, maybe is there yeah. a specific aim for Shamanah? Well, we've always said that we are not the church. You know, Mm -hmm. we are a support to what you guys are doing. We get to take stuff that kids are learning in in their children's ministries, in youth groups, that young leaders are getting to practice, you know, or a little taste of the church. We get to bring them here to camp for a week, or if they're on summer staff, you know, for a lot longer, Mm -hmm. and just put all of that on steroids and what we always say is that camp, you know, all of life happens at camp. Mm. So the stuff they're learning at church, you know, that's in bits and pieces, but all of life happens at camp. 
so kids come to camp, you know, and they came with friends from church, but they're living together 24-7, so, yeah. so they argue, and they have to figure yeah. out how does that work, what does the body of Christ look like there. They make right. new friends, they, mm-hmm. they have some successes and some failures, and we get to wrap all of that into the body. So right. what, you know, how does scripture impact that and how do we bring Jesus into every single thing we're doing? If Jesus isn't part of a horse trail ride, if he isn't part of mm-hmm. a water polo game, then mm-hmm. he's not part of anything else we do either. You know, we we bring in a chapel speaker and all of that, but we don't have this spiritual person who does spiritual things up in that spiritual room. In in the 34 years that I've been here, the vast majority of the kids that have been led to a relationship with Christ have been led to that relationship by their counselor, not mm-hmm. by the chapel speaker. Mm-hmm. Because I want the person that's living life with them, that's doing everything else with them, to be the one that's also uh, helping them understand what a what a relationship, yeah. a saving relationship with Christ looks like. Yeah. So that, that's one of the huge advantages we have at camp, and we, right. we just get to capitalize on what you guys are doing. That's neat. I think that's a great dynamic that needs to be experienced and capitalized on. So we're blessed, for sure, to have resources like Shamana to tap into. So thanks for what you guys do. I mean, really. Yeah, Kirk Oden Free has had a long relationship with Shamana. I've heard a little bit about that. Yeah, yeah. I know that, I mean, this was probably years ago, but I think some of our our guys would probably remember helping build some of the facilities. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I remember them coming up. So um, you've been giving us a little bit of updates uh, via video. What are some main things that you want churches to be aware of going into this summer and the future? Yeah, absolutely. The main thing, bold letters, we're open. (laughs) Yeah. Now, not exactly right now. You know, Mm -hmm. we're going through the steps, but boy, come June 1st, we're open. You know, over the the spring here, the late winter, you know, we've had to cancel – four major retreats Mm. plus this time of year we have hundreds and hundreds of local schools that come out okay and uh none of that has happened but come june 1st our program Mm -hmm. staff arrive june 12th our counseling staff arrive and uh yeah and then we've already got tons of kids signed up for camp and the word we're getting out is yes 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 we're open okay so what you guys can be doing is praying. Mm-hmm. We think we've crossed all the T's and dotted all the I's and what the government mm-hmm. is asking. We think we got that all taken care of. But just that prayer support that all of that will mm-hmm. go through and that kids' hearts during this time will have really been prepared to hear the gospel. Very good. Well, I know in our church we have one um, young person who has been hired as a junior counselor. Does it look like she'll be able to participate in that way? Yeah, if she's been hired, yeah. Oh, great. Yeah, I, I, I think June 12th is when she's probably okay. just getting information about that now. Oh, wonderful. We hire about, well, just under 100 uh, high yeah, school right. kids, okay. about 130 college kids, but then okay. those 100 uh, high school volunteers, we could not run this place without them. Right. And, you know, years ago, I remember we had a national youth speaker here at some event, and he was speaking, and just observing, he pulled me aside and he said, Herb, do you understand what you have here? And I was like, well, I I think so. What are you talking about? <laughs> mm-hmm. He said, Herb, the community 
of high schoolers that you have, he said they come mm. up here and they love they love working their tails off because mm-hmm. of the community that they've built, and they're doing real ministry. He yeah. said, I've been in a lot of places, he said, where you've got high school kids doing what, boy, in a lot of places, you've got to be 25 years old before they would even think of letting you do. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. kind of our DNA. We give yeah. real live ministry experience to those high schoolers. Yeah, that's such a valuable part of the ministry, too, Yeah. overall. Yeah. Very cool. Well, thanks for um, talking with us, and I, I think you've already answered my last question, which is how can we partner with you, and for sure we can pray. Is there anything else that comes to your mind? Well, along with the pray, praying specifically, like I said, for kids to respond to the gospel financially, of course, that's always a need, especially yeah. this year. With all of those retreats and school groups that couldn't come here, we're down about $250,000 in revenue. That right? <laughs> and that, that yeah. has an impact. Yeah. But, you know, but the biggest thing is just tell kids, get the word out. Camp okay. is open. They need to come. Great. Well, I'm glad we had this conversation. And thanks for mentioning that, too. It's good to be aware of the need out there. Thank you so much. Well, Josh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for, for making this happen. All right. You take care. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Josh, that was a lot of fun to listen to. Yeah. I've had this rattling around, what's going on with summer camp? So this was really timely that you talked with them. Right. I was so glad I did, just so we could hear, hey, camp is open. Yeah. That's the headline for sure. And pray for the ministry of what's going on there. Yeah. That's great. Thanks for doing that. Yeah, absolutely. And let's go ahead and do that. Let's pray for them right now. Great. Heavenly Father, thank you for the ministry of Camp Shamanah and, of course, many other camps. Uh, But as our church has uh, been so connected with them through their history, we ask that you would uh, help them as they come into a new season in which it's unusual. And they have been lacking so far to to bring campers out and, and host their normal retreats. So we want to pray that as they look towards that June 1st date, that you would encourage the kids and families that have planned to go, Lord, to be able to feel safe and comfortable in going to camp and knowing that that they're doing all that they can to follow the guidelines, but still allow for this ministry to take place. So Lord, um, would you bless the ministry of Camp Shamanah this summer? May it be especially valuable because of the season of life that we're in. We pray that many campers, as they come to just enjoy the outdoors, all that you have made, and then to hear from you and the speakers that come and the counselors that gather around them, that they would be brought to Jesus Christ through faith in a way that maybe they have not been before. So Lord, lead many to your son this summer. Thank you for Herb. Uh, Thank you for his team that work with him. I pray for your blessing on them, that you would continue to enhance their ministry and their experience of you as they lead camp this summer. We pray these things, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, yeah. And Sean, by the way, they are sending us a dozen water bottles cool. um, from Camp Shamanah. So we're going to plan to give those away, probably on our youth and family podcast. So you want to stay tuned and see what well, that will involve to, to get your hands on one of those. We'll find some creative ways to give those away All for right. sure. Sounds good. That'll be fun. Josh, you want to get into the message today? Yeah, I do. Well, Sean, let me just say uh, you did a great job reading the word for us last episode. Is that right? You did, now, so, but don't take so don't take this personally, okay? Okay, none taken. But I outsourced your service. Oh, is that right? Yep. So take it as you were the inspiration. Okay, okay? perfect. 
Because there are voices out there who we all need to hear. And yeah. it's just, there's something about hearing each other's voices. So it's a comfort. So I asked a special guest to do our reading today. Fun. I'm pretty sure you'll know the voices. So here they are for us. They're going to be reading Mark chapter 2, 23 to 28. Mark 2, 23 through 28. A discussion about the Sabbath. One Sabbath day, as Jesus was walking through some grain fields, his disciples began breaking off heads of grain to eat. But the Pharisees said to Jesus, Look, why are they breaking the law by harvesting grain on the Sabbath? Jesus said to them, Haven't you ever read in the scriptures what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He went into the house of God during the days when Abiathar was high priest and broke the law by eating the sacred loaves of bread that only the priests were allowed to eat. He also gave some to his companions. Then Jesus said to them, The Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people and not people to meet the requirement of the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even over the Sabbath. That was uh, Dave and Steph. I called them up yesterday and they were more than happy to record that segment of Mark for us. That's great. So we'll try to get others involved in that way and yeah. just hear the Word of God from each other. Absolutely. So now uh, this is the end of chapter two in Mark here, but don't think of it as a proper ending of anything, okay? Chapter and verse divisions are not always reflective of thought divisions in Scripture, okay? So they don't always follow the writing plan of, of the author, and in this case, which would be Mark. So the larger section we are in will include the first paragraph of chapter three as well. So really we're looking at a, a larger span than just chapters here. Now, this is the fourth part in Mark's little series about challenges to Jesus' authority. And the emphasis really in every account is the authority of Jesus. So in story number one, it was his authority to forgive sins. In story three, it's his authority to associate with sinners. In the third story that we looked at last week, it's his authority as the bridegroom of his people, which calls for a celebration, not for lamentation or fasting. And now we come to the fourth story. And what's the first thing that stands out to us here? Mark says it was one Sabbath, right? Mark tells us the, the day of the week that this takes place, on the Sabbath, or Shabbat. You always have to note the setting of the story when you study Scripture, because the details of the setting will inform the conflict or the progression of the story that, that occurs. So Sabbath indicates the seventh day of the week, or Saturday, okay? But time was reckoned by the, the point of from sundown till the next sundown. So Sabbath actually began on Friday night, okay, okay. and went until sundown on the following day on Saturday, okay? This is why before in Mark chapter 1, you remember all the people came to Jesus on that Sabbath day when it, it says when it was dark. Okay, sure, yes. Reason being they were honoring the Sabbath. They assumed that Jesus would not do his work till Sabbath was finished. Therefore, they came to him after dark. Make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. Right. So, Josh, where does the whole idea of Sabbath come from? Well, the Sabbath as a command for Israel goes back to the covenant promise God made with them through Moses. So, you remember the Ten Commandments? Yep. Okay. This is number four. Oh, yeah. Okay. 
And it's kind of unique from the other commandments in that it's a day to remember and observe, whereas the other ones are just commands to do this or don't do that, Mm -hmm. right? What it is, is this is a sign of the covenant that God had made with them. So you'll notice that the command is likened to the creation account. So here, listen to it. This is from Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 to 11. It says there, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Who is speaking in that text? That is God speaking to Moses, mm-hmm. right, giving the Ten Commandments. That seventh day is linked to a the covenant that God made with Moses. Yeah, okay. It's part of that, yep. that covenant that they needed to do this. But it came from God, right. which is noteworthy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the, the honoring of the Sabbath day was super important for Jews. Two things really separated a Jewish person from a non-Jewish person. The first was circumcision which was obviously a male thing. Okay, women were considered circumcised by birth. And the second thing then was keeping the Sabbath. That's really what separated you from the rest of the nations. Okay. So Greeks and other people, while they were out doing their work on Saturday, you could tell who was Jewish by their observance, by their abstinence from work. Oh, yeah. But apart from not working, Sabbath was observed by attending the synagogue. So it was a gathering day for worship, very similar to like our Sunday church service. Okay. So Josh, does that mean that we need to be practicing or observing the Sabbath today? Or are Christians doing that? What's that look like? Yeah, that's an important question because many Christians have abstained from work on Sunday Mm -hmm. because they believe that the Christian Sunday has taken over as the Christian's new Sabbath. Okay. Right? They kind of just apply the same rules to what now is our day of worship, which is Sunday, sure. the first day of the week. But that thinking is really not what we see in the New Testament. Now, the New Testament tells us that the Sabbath, like other Old Testament practices, such as sacrifices, festivals, the particular foods that they had to eat mm-hmm. or not eat, that all these things are but a shadow of the real thing. Okay, So let me just ask you this. Do Christians go and offer animal sacrifices? Today. Yeah. Not that I'm aware of. Right. And no Christian really has a solid argument to even try to make that case that we should be doing that. Oh, I see. Right. Does the Christian celebrate the New Moon Festival? I never have. Yeah. (laughs) Right. And you probably never heard of any church doing that. Yeah. Or do we only eat certain foods? Boy, the closest thing that would come to mind for me would be, what do the Catholics do? They Right. No meat on Fridays during Lent. So they, uh, yeah, they only eat fish or something like that? Right. Yeah, but nothing like what's prescribed in the Old Testament purity laws. Mm -hmm. Well, the Sabbath was grouped with those things which are clearly seen as abolished in the New Covenant. So the the reference, if you're interested, is is Colossians chapter 2, verses 16 to 17. I'll read it for us. It says, Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival 
or a new moon, listen, or a Sabbath. That's in Colossians, New Testament. Yes. Then he says, these, which will include all the things he just said, including the Sabbath, are a shadow of the things to come. So all these things, Sabbath day included, were signs of the old covenant, which was abolished by the new. So what then is the substance? These are the shadow. What's the substance? Well, Paul answers that in Colossians. He says, but the substance is this. But I'm going to let that dawn upon us as we look at Mark. I'm going to let Mark answer that question for us. Okay. Okay. Now, before we get to that, we're still framing the role of Sabbath during Jesus's day, which was a day when the old covenant was still in place, right? The new has not been ratified yet. Jesus was born under the law. So we need to understand what the Sabbath day had become for people during that time. So the commandment of Sabbath was to remember it and to keep it holy by not working, right? Yeah, that makes sense. So what exactly constitutes work? I mean, what would be considered you're working or you're just cutting your grass or whatever? That's the question. And that's where this Jewish tradition comes in. Very important to understand. So some things are obvious, right? Plowing, reaping, and this was an agricultural society, so that was yeah. a lot of the work. Mm-hmm. Um, fishing, you know, probably carpentry and all these other things that were obvious. Yeah. But the teachers of the day, namely the Pharisees, in their zeal for the law, they put these safeguards around it. Okay, so for example, some rabbi said spitting was a violation of the Sabbath because when the spit hit the dirt and displaced it, that could be constituted as plowing. Wow. Talking about taking things a little far. Right. But remember the reason, though. As one rabbi said, he said, the tradition is a fence around the law. That is, scribal interpretation protects the law by keeping people from even coming close to breaking it. Oh, I see. You see what they're doing? Yeah. Okay. They're just being extra careful about making sure no one carelessly broke the law. So, So when you spit... You were coming way too close to plowing. That's what some of them said. So don't even do it. Don't even try, right? But what effect do you think such fences put on people, yeah. right? The safeguards like that sound burdensome. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they was women were suggested not to look in the mirror lest they see a gray hair and be tempted to pluck it, which would amount to working on the Sabbath. You know what it sounds like to me? It sounds like distraction. It caused people to miss the point. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So verse 23 then. One Sabbath, he was going through the grain fields, that's Jesus, and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. For a snack, or what? Yeah, yeah. And at first we go, well, what's the problem here? I mean, maybe we could see they might be accused of stealing, right? Sure. They're taking heads of grain, and of course the point is that they're eating it, right? They're separating the shaft from the kernel, and they're having a snack. Well, that belonged to somebody. Yeah. But Deuteronomy chapter 23, verse 25 states this, if you go into your neighbor's standing grain, you may pluck the ears with your hand, but you shall not put a sickle to your neighbor's standing grain. In other words, you can have a snack, but you can't start farming it. Yeah. Right? You can't start chopping it down and selling it for for profit. So stealing is not the issue. And actually, that's not what the Pharisees who are apparently traveling with them have a problem with. I was going to ask, okay, here you are, and it, it just says, uh, 
these guys are walking through the grain fields and then immediately here's the Pharisees asking this question. They were traveling with them? Like, are they around all the time? What's yeah, going I know. On? It almost seems like they're just uh, the paparazzi or something. Yes. Um, perfect example. But Jesus had gathered together quite a following and I think uh, they are interested to hear what he has to say. They're also suspicious of him, but it's a Sabbath day, so they've probably just left the synagogue together, mm-hmm. and maybe they happen to be going the same direction, oh, I or see. maybe they just wanted to see what, what he was going to do next. Yeah. So either way, yeah, they're in the same walking party here. Man, if you're following this guy around, waiting for him to screw up, mm. and you can't figure out the fact that so far, Everything he does is intentional. Everything around him that's happening is yeah. very intentional. Yeah. Maybe before I spoke, I'd be like, now why? Yeah. I think he's trying to teach me something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Instead of jumping all over him, maybe I'll just keep my mouth shut and listen for a second. Right, right. So here's what they have a problem with, right? In verse 24, and the Pharisees were saying to him, look, why are they, your disciples, doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath. So their issue is, by picking those heads of grain, this constitutes work. This act crossed that protective fence that they had put around the Sabbath, which looked at everything that could be work-related and banned it, right? So their plucking the grain really amounted to reaping in their mind. Okay. And that was not lawful on the Sabbath. So how scrupulous the traditions had become. It was said you could not write more than one letter on the Sabbath. You could not sew more than one stitch on the Sabbath. If it wasn't deemed necessary, meaning if it wasn't life-endangering, you couldn't do it. So if a foot or hand was dislocated, you were not permitted to reset it. That wasn't serious enough. If a roof collapsed on a family, you could remove just enough rubble to discover who was dead or alive. And the ones who were alive were allowed to be rescued, but the dead had to remain till sundown. Wow. So they had made rules for every conceivable facet of life and situation. So instead of, so think about it then, if you're a Jew in that day, instead of just jumping into the aid of someone in need, you first had to ask yourself if this was going to be a Sabbath breaker. Yeah. Right? And are you willing to deal with the consequences of that? Boy, how would you minister to those outside of the church in that case, right? The, the people that are, that don't believe this. Yeah. You just, oh, today's our day off. We can't help you. We can't right. do anything. We can't right. minister to you. Right. So the observance of Shabbat, right, had become constricting and suffocating to those under it. It made it look like man was meant to give significance to the Sabbath. And is this the way it was supposed to be? Was this how God intended it when he gave it to Israel as a sign of his covenant? Sure. So let's see how Jesus responds, right? Verse 25. And he said to them, have you never read? Because Jesus, by the way, knows that they have read what he's about to tell them. They know their Bibles, but he's going to connect the dots for them. They were good at observing the small parts, Mm -hmm. but there's a larger picture to see. And so he says, have you never read what David did when he was in need? And was hungry, he and those who were with him. How he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar, the high priest, and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him. 
Now, this incident is found in 1 Samuel 21, verses 1 to 6. Look it up sometime. There are two things I want to say about it. Number one, when David took the showbread out of the tabernacle, right, out of the house of God, it was not lawful for himself or his companions to have that. They actually broke covenant regulations when they did this. Not simply a tradition, like, hey, this is just, we don't suggest you do this, but they broke the law as it had really? clearly said. Okay. And yet, it was not only permissible, but right. He and his men were hungry and in need. So the regulations normally observed were set aside for the king and his men who were now, listen, okay, on a sacred mission. So God was more concerned with the well-being of his king, with caring for his king, than he was about the rule of the tabernacle. Oh, sure. If David and the priest at that time discerned, okay, without any consequence from God or any other condemnation in Scripture of their action, that some rules might be set aside for a life-giving purpose, then cannot Jesus and his disciples set aside traditions for the sake of their sacred mission? So David was, this wasn't just an excusable thing. David sent a precedent here. The second thing I'd like to say is that the emphasis is on David and his companions. And the obvious connection is that they relate to Jesus and his disciples. Jesus is David's son. But he's more than that, okay? He is the interpreter of the law. Notice how this ends then, okay? Jesus does two things. He corrects, and then he declares. Sure. Can I ask a question quick? Yeah, You say ahead. You said that Jesus is David's son. What do you mean by that? What I mean is, in terms of genealogy, Yeah, he is a descendant of David. Gotcha, yep. So he comes from David's line. And that's significance because David was promised that a, a king would come from him who would be greater than himself, who would establish a, an everlasting kingdom. I see. Okay, so two things then Jesus does here at the end. He corrects and he declares. So his correction is this in verse 27. And he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. The point of the Sabbath is that it's supposed to enhance human life, not complicate it. Yeah, that is so good. I like that. Yeah. God gave men the Sabbath to bless men, right? Not to burden man. And then obvious human need, okay? When you look at the law of God, even the law of Moses, there were there were weightier laws, okay? You remember that Jesus told uh, these this same group, the Pharisees, Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. So it's not that God's laws of sacrifice didn't matter or were not important, but some things mattered more, right? I desire mercy and not sacrifice. And God has told even them in the Old Testament what really matters. Here's from Micah 6 verse 8. He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? but to do justice 
and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. Now, let's not think that we've done much better in this, because I'm sure that we aim on the lesser over the greater all the time. So what do you think matters more to God? Let me ask, put an example here. That you've brought your family to church, or you've sent them to church, or that you were available to love and to teach them God's ways in your everyday life. Well, obviously the latter. But who among us has leaned on the lesser expectations? Things like attendance at church, bringing your offering, or fulfilling your duties, right? Serving some role in the church. And meanwhile, neglected, weightier things like loving your spouse, or patiently discipling your children. Now, I can pick on men a bit, but I find that we as men can be so loyal to our work that it becomes second to none. And practically speaking, God even appears subordinate to our work. And this is somewhat what happened to the Sabbath. They were so guarded protecting the lesser law, which was important, honoring the Sabbath, that they failed to attend the weightier matters of human need, right? The, the weightier laws that at times even overrode these laws. So Jesus, in fact, is going to demonstrate that principle in the very next episode. It's going to be another Sabbath incident. Now, there's a very simple explanation to how Jesus can call the shots about what Sabbath observance really means. And it's in verse 28. He says, So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. This is linked to verse 27, right? He says, so, that's a connecting word. Mm -hmm. So God had a purpose for the Sabbath. It was made for man. So the son of man, okay, and that connects to the Daniel 7 prophecy. It was a title which said, God's authoritative representative, the son of man. He is Lord, even of of the Sabbath. So Jesus, as God's representative, has authority to interpret God's will, even in the matter of Sabbath. So think about, I mean, this statement along with that statement in the first part of the chapter two, that he has a, the Son of Man has authority to forgive sins. Yeah. These would have certainly rocked the waves of the Pharisees. Sure. When he calls himself here, the, so the son of man mm-hmm. is Lord. Why does he call himself the son of man? He's the son of God. Mm. In fact, you hear in right. the Bible, he's referred to as both, right? Right. That's right. So now he's saying, so the son of man, mm. you know, well, I'm a son of man too, aren't I? Right. But this is weightier. Yes. It's not just a designation of humanity. Sometimes we think, oh, he's son of God in terms of he's deity, but then he's son of man and that's his humanity, but not really. Son of man was a title. Okay. And it connected to really Daniel's prophecy in chapter seven of his dream vision. A kingdom is given to one like a son of man. That's okay. what it says. And it, so it points to this, um, this human figure who would be given a, an everlasting kingdom. Okay. That, that one that was promised to David's son. Sure. So... They would have picked up on that. They would have known this is a not just Jesus saying, I'm a human being like everybody else, yeah. but I am the one who is spoken of. Okay. Okay. Thanks for clearing that up. Yeah. In the simplest expression, Jesus is saying, by being the Lord of the Sabbath, really this, and I, I titled this, 
Is he the Sabbath breaker or Sabbath maker? Yeah. What he's saying is, as Lord, I made the Sabbath. I designed it. Yeah. And so I can decide what it means to follow it. Mm-hmm. I decide what it means, not you, mm-hmm. not men. Men don't decide what it means. And you can bet that the Sabbath police were probably stupefied that he actually made such a statement. And yet there's no argument against him. His authority is unmatched. All it will do for rule-relying enforcers like them is feed a growing animosity right. towards Jesus. Yeah. I, I love what you said there because I think that this the whole message today kind of points to a larger issue of legalism, right? Yeah. That what you said earlier about the point of the Sabbath is supposed to enhance human life, mm-hmm. not to complicate it. Mm-hmm. Boy, you could put that same thought on a lot of areas of legalism or man-made rules mm-hmm. versus what is the message of the Bible, of what is Jesus's message? No, that's so powerful. Yeah, yeah. So if you're thinking about as you relate to this text and as everyone hears it, you will either grow to hate Jesus because he is the sovereign Lord and therefore offends your pride and what you depend on, or you're going to fall under his love for for seeing that he is the rest, the Sabbath that we need. So remember we were talking about the Sabbath day was a shadow. Yeah. Jesus is the substance. And Mark mm. kind of just plays that out in, in the words of Jesus himself, being the Lord of the Sabbath. He is the Sabbath rest. And when he gives his life and rises again, he establishes a new covenant of freedom, freedom from those scrupulous rules that we put on ourselves or that we accept from other people, but which we can never keep perfectly. So he meets our greatest need, which is atoning for that guilt of our sin and frees us to fulfill the law by actually living it through us. So he becomes our rest. Yeah. Hebrews chapter 4, I'll end with this, says that, Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them. But the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. And that's the, that's the way into the rest, to be united by faith yeah. to God, to Christ. And so I guess uh, I just wanted to pray as we, we close out here for each one who may need to enter that rest today. And for those of us who have entered it, it's, uh, it's an already and like we can experience rest in Jesus from our striving to please God, we're done with that. We yeah. know that in Him, uh, we have become accepted, right, and forgiven. And so we're free to just uh, allow Him to live really His life through us. And there awaits for us a complete and full Sabbath rest. That's good. So let's pray. Yeah. Lord God, we we come to recognize that uh, in a new way, how authoritative you are. You are the Lord, even of the Sabbath. And Lord, so it's not a question for us who are listening today of whether or not you are Lord of our lives. You are the Lord, no matter what, no matter we accept you or not. But we ask, O oh God, that eyes would be open to reveal that 
that we are either united to you by faith or we are opposed to you. We are rejecting you by loving our own self and our own standards, our own rule-keeping. So, Father, I pray that as this is listened to and heard, you would bring people to humbly accept you as their Lord, submitting to you and treasuring you for the fact that you gave your life to free them from such legalistic bonds. Lord, lead people then to yourself today. May they enter now your rest that you offer for them, even today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.